Devoncast from Radio X. Hello and welcome to Devoncast, the regular podcast looking at local and regional issues in Devon, the politics, the people and how decisions here affect how we live, work and enjoy our county. I'm Guy Henderson. And I'm Alison Stevenson. On the way this week, street marshals are making a great impact in Barnstable, where crime has dramatically reduced and more shoppers are coming into the high street as a result. And we join protesters at the gates of County Hall in Exeter, making their voices heard on the vexed question of Exeter's controversial low-traffic neighbourhoods. And we have music, with a Devon drummer who talks to us about touring the world with his band. Devoncast. From Radio X. But first, we find out about Torbay's latest weapon in the war against pests on the water. Now, if you're a responsible personal watercraft user, can't say jet ski because it's a trade name, by the way, so it's personal watercraft, then this doesn't really apply to you at all. But in the summertime when the weather is fine in Torbay, the personal watercraft users come out to play. You can hear the sound of them from all around the bay because of the way the noise echoes around the natural amphitheatre created by the cliffs and coves of 20-odd miles of coastline. And there have been plenty of stories of swimmers having near misses with rogue riders and of the bay's precious wildlife being harassed. For Torbay Council, which is the Harbour Authority, it's a constant battle to keep irresponsible PWC riders under control so that the bay can be enjoyed by everyone else, including the swimmers, the kayakers, the seals and the dolphins and the responsible riders. We've been talking to Torbay Harbour Master Rob Parsons about his latest piece of high-tech, high-speed equipment, a new patrol boat which is more than a match for the jet skis. Personal watercraft can be a problem, can't they, if they're not used responsibly. What, what can you do about that? It's really hard because it, it's obviously the bay's quite big. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you are trusting people to be responsible. Um, however, yes, there are some people that don't really care about anyone else on the water. They don't care about um, just basic civility in terms of being polite, in terms of being... Um, caring, yeah. um, the, the fact that there's five knot markers there for a reason to, to limit the speed. So we, we're quite clear that, you know, there's, there's no place for that here. So we're looking at ways now of prosecuting, but also that's not to show that we're prosecuting people. It's about protecting those that are here for the right reasons. Yeah. And, and that's what I take seriously because, you know, I'm a father, you know, I've got children out in the water. You want to come to Torbay because it, without saying it's like a pitch, it's the English Riviera and you want to come here and know you are safe and know that we are there and we do take it seriously. So the new Oscar four is huge for us because the old one, obviously she was old, but she wasn't fit for purpose anymore just because of her age. So we've got brand new equipment. Um, it's, it's modern. She's fast um, and we'll be working with the Maritime Coast Guard Agency to ensure that we keep people safe and prosecute where we need to. And the MCA have some quite strong powers now as well, don't they? They do. They, I mean, they have custodial um, punishments now. So I think it's a case of working with them. But Torbay also have their old, their own um, statute, their own prosecution powers. So I think with the two, there's an element of making someone an example if needed. So if we've got personal watercraft jet ski users listening to this, if you're responsible, come and enjoy Tour Bay. But if you're not responsible, you've got your eye on them. Absolutely. And everyone's welcome. And, you know, there's a lot of people here that um, work with us. Right? For example, it's, it's, it's wrong to vilify all PwC users because some of them are great. Yeah. Um, they've got the, the right qualification. And we do offer cheaper rates for launching for those that have a, an RYA qualification. Um, those that are paid up have stickers. And they, they help us police it because they don't want to lose their right. So it's not about vilifying all of them, but it's about making sure that we do, uh, we're more robust in our approach to it and we stop it. Yeah. 
and you've got you've got a blue light on the new Oscar film. Oh yeah, I'm really chuffed about that bit. Yeah, and um, you, you did mention in the meeting that you're you pushing for a siren. I am pushing for a siren. Yeah, <laughs> and the reason being is that the bay, you know, we've got 22 miles of coastline and 16 square miles of sea. So with Oscar Four, I won't say how far she can go, but she's very quick. Yeah. So you know, with a, a siren there, you know, when you hear it, you know we're not far away. So there, the harbour master has got his sights on you. If you're a rogue uh, personal watercraft rider, it's difficult. Personal watercraft is difficult, isn't it? But jet skis like Hoover and Porter Cabin, you just can't use it, can you? <laughs> no, you certainly can. First, first day in journalism training, they gave us a great big sheet with the tarmac, Porter Cabin, Hoover, jet ski, windsurfers, another one that you can't use. No, you can't. You, you have go. to use a long-winded name. Instead. So personal watercraft, it is. <laughs> Devon cast from Radio X. There's great news in Barnstable where Devon district councillors have voted to extend their valued street marshal scheme until the end of March next year. Street marshals were brought in a year ago to deal with antisocial behaviour problems, which were putting visitors off coming to the town. So a successful bid was made to the government's Safer Streets programme, giving the council, in conjunction with the police, £350,000 to fund street marshals bringing in a raft of measures like graffiti removal, improved street lighting and additional CCTV cameras. Since then, crime has dropped dramatically. Police say there are more than 350 fewer crimes than the year before and antisocial behaviour is down by about a third in the town. Street marshals have powers to remove alcohol from people drinking within the area of Barnstable covered by the Public Space Protection Order. These orders are intended to prevent specific acts which would not otherwise be criminal offences and can cover things like abusive language, noise nuisance and litter. Fixed penalty fines can be issued if people continue to cause problems after being spoken to by street marshals who are a constant presence in the town during working hours. Visiting Barnstable yesterday, I, I could see that there's a strong presence of uniformed officers on the streets. Streets, Street marshals who are wearing vests saying community safety team and police community support officers dealing with a young woman who'd had too much to drink. But it's not a heavy-handed approach. These officers have developed a rapport with the community, the shops, the visitors, the people and the potential troublemakers to make Barnstable an all-round better place for all. Councillors realise that and have given £50,000 of their reserves to fund the street marshal scheme for another six months, whilst partnership funding is sought long term. Inspector Andy Wills of Barnstable Police tells us how successful it's been. Yeah, it's been a real, real asset to the town for the year that it's been in operation. Um, and we're really pleased that um, the decision's been made to extend it. Um, it's always good to have additional presence in the town centre, and um, whilst we've got our own officers and staff, clearly. Um, we deploy them into areas where we've got the greatest risk on any daily basis. So that real consistent background presence they've provided and the integrated way in which we've worked with them has been really, really valuable at this time, yeah. And it, to me, it comes down to, it's, it's about sort of capable guardianship, really. You know, it doesn't have to be a police officer who's there to intervene in a really timely manner around those those particularly, um, uh, you know, uh, and social behaviour incidents, etc. They and they've been given powers under CSAS to deal with that. Um, so it's an accreditation scheme um, that we operate. Um, so yeah, it's been really, really helpful. Okay. So how many street marshals do you have at the moment? So they operate through um, a security company that are contracted by the council, and they tend to operate in pairs. Uh, and at the moment, they're operating um, uh, throughout the week, seven days a week in Barnstable. Um, so yeah, so every day they're out, out working as well. And how did this uh, scheme come about? Came about, the initial funding came about through the um, Round 4 Safer Streets um, funding, which is made available by the Home Office. 
Um, so it involves an application um, which we worked together on but was submitted with the support of the um, Police and Crime Commissioner um, and was developed and led by the District Council. Um, and so uh, we managed to, to gain approximately £350,000 worth of government funding um, in order to deliver a whole range of different interventions from additional CCTV coverage and um, a redeployable camera, for example, um, uh, uh, some some licensing um, training schemes um, uh, uh, and um, uh, with a particular focus around preventing violence against women and girls um, and and really key to that uh, quite a large component of that's been the use of the um, the, the funding to to um, pay for the street marshals the at the time of it was really really interesting because it came alongside the police uplift where obviously we've been um, working towards the, um, the additional twenty thousand police officers and so that's enabled us alongside this to bolster our um, neighbourhood policing team in Barnstable, so that's now um, fully staffed as well. So, so we certainly, um, we had a less obvious presence, I would say, collectively as a group of agencies in the sound centre, and then we've really sort of pulled together and, um, uh, uh, to try and, to try and um, improve that presence overall um, in the town. So if I look back and I take the 12 months prior to the launch of the scheme, um, and then the 12 month that it's been that it's been in operation um we've had <clears throat> in terms of total incidents reported uh we've had uh, a reduction of um uh, across the the sector in its entirety um we've had a reduction of uh 6% overall and in the town center the area that operated we had we've had a reduction of 16.9% so the really encouraging thing is not just a case of displacement. So we're not just displacing the issue from the town centre somewhere else. It's gone down overall across the centre uh, sector. And then if we look at um, antisocial behaviour incidents, so a category of those incidents in particular, in the town centre that's reduced by 24.7%, and across the sector as a whole that's reduced by 11.8%. So, so that's really, really encouraging. And if you, if you, you know, taking it in a really literal sense, and I'm wedded to the reality this won't take place, if we achieve a 25% reduction based on those original figures from last year, every year, in four years, we'll have none. So it's a really, really significant um, you know, disruption um, to that previous pattern of behaviour that we were seeing before. Um, and we came at this as well from a really... The thing I really would emphasise is we came at this from a really, really good baseline. So historically, and up until the, the launch of the scheme, we've had the highest rate of... Um, detected crime of any sector in the force in Devon and Cornwall, so, so we've always done a really, really good job um, with dealing with with dealing with um, crime. And then, if we look at particular crime categories, and it's really topical at the moment with the recent news stories around, you know, perhaps the need to for policing to refocus on some of those core, um, you know, um, more traditional crime types. If I, if I look at shoplifting, for example, um, then uh, incidents of recorded shoplifting were reduced by nineteen percent. Um, across the sector during that period of time, and and just I, you know I just tend to do some research really on on what our detected rates look like in that shoplifting, and uh, we, we detect over sixty percent of our reported of, of all the shoplifting that's reported to us, and I hear you know in national media quotes of single digit figures, and so that's just really not representative of the way that we place here. Okay, that sounds fantastic. I'm just going to bring in. Um, Hannah Harrington, who's the town centre manager here for Barnstable, and she's working really closely with the police on this, and she wants to tell us just how successful the scheme is too. Yeah, so it's been fantastic. So we have, as Andy says, we've worked really closely with with our partners in this. So what we were really looking to do at the beginning of the scheme, 
um, there was a perception that there was a problem in Barnstable. Um, people didn't necessarily, they told us they didn't necessarily feel safe coming into town, that when they came into town, they did see an instance of antisocial behaviour or they were aware of, you know, crimes taking place. And so there was just this sort of general perception that actually they didn't feel all that safe coming into town. And what the street marshals are fantastic as it, they're just that reassuring presence. Because when we asked people, okay, what would make you feel safer? They were saying, you know, a kind of a uniform um, presence in town, you know, is what would really help. And, you know, we were very aware that the police do a fantastic job, but their resources, you know, were really stretched too. They can't, you know, respond to every every instant. Um, and that's what street marshals can do. They're there, they're on the ground, they're connected to the shops by their radios. People can contact them directly, but they can respond really quickly. It's really a flexible response. They can be there quickly. They can deal with those low-level incidents, which let's face it a lot of the time don't require a police officer they don't you know require you know immediate action that might be a it might be a report that's put in but there's somebody there who can you know deal with something straight away so from from the shopkeeper's point of view that's fantastic they've got somebody they can get hold of straight away you know they can react really quickly um from a member of the public if you're in the town center they are they're just there to help so you know whether it's down to asking where the public toilets are or where a certain shop is there's a they're a friendly presence that you can approach you can talk to um one of the things that we that we didn't expect is we did ask that they were first aid trained and they're actually they're three level trained so they have fantastic level of um of first aid knowledge but and the number of medical incidents actually that they have responded to is i think it's, it's kind of over 60 you know people just tripping and falling or you know all more more severe incidents but again just having somebody that can respond really quickly it's taking pressure off the ambulance service and i think we have now kind of as a community got really used to seeing those friendly faces around town that can be approached um, and that's what's made a real difference to how people feel about coming into Barnstable just knowing that you know we are all working together but there is somebody there who can help you you know should you need it and just make you you know feel safer. And Street Marshal Nathan and shopkeeper Stephen give us their take. Earlier the other day we were dealing with one of the usual street drinkers and he was sat down on, on the street. It was raining and he was shaking, not because of the rain, because he needed a drink. So we work alongside the Freedom Centre, so we were able to um, ring them to come down and come and pick him up and um, give him some trainers. And he had uh, flip-flops on and he was obviously just wearing a T-shirt. So he was able uh, to get a jacket and um, a blanket and everything like that so we, we try and work in unison with everyone that we do with whether it's the police uh, the council and the freedom center we're all trying to work as a team i started in february and i'm not just saying this but it is really needed i've noticed the drop since since february but you need to be constantly out you need to be on patrol and so they can see you visually you know wherever it's taking out the last street drinkers and just reminding them that they can't drink or talking to the, the young ASB, that could be happening. It's just, it, it needs to be constant. So we need to, it's repetitive, but I really enjoy it. And, and I feel like we are making Barnstable a safer streets, whether it's, you know, um, picking up needles out in the public, you know, we'll, we have to deal with that and then notify the correct agencies. But yeah, we're constantly busy and it's a really rewarding job. Mm. And do you feel you're building up a good relationship with the community? Absolutely, yeah. We've got I've got a good rapport with the street drinkers, with the children, and and with everyone in the shop. So we're constantly we're constantly getting approached and saying thank you very much for all the hard work that you're doing. And it, I 
that to me is really rewarding. Mm. So I've noticed the difference just just from February, but the stats don't lie. We brought down crime eighty percent. Mm. So we're we're chuffed a bit, and we're just going to keep on going now. Yeah, hi. Yeah, so my name's Stephen, store manager here in Barnstable M&S. Uh, I've been around the kind of the town centre now for around 15 years working for M&S and I've worked in all sorts of different um, cities and towns. I must admit, moving to the area, I did feel that this town centre um, did feel a little bit deprived in places um, and from a shopping point of view and certainly if we want to encourage um, families to shop with us, um, at times it did feel um, a little bit dangerous, uh, a little bit dated uh, and not necessarily somewhere where you wanted to bring your family for a day out as well as spend money in the, uh, in the high street. Um, I do think it has changed more recently with the, the uh, street marshals. Um, I think they've done a good job. I feel like the town centre is more welcoming. I think backed up by the work that's been done in the Pannier Market and uh, Butcher's Row as well. I do feel that um, I'm really sh I'm really keen that North Devon keeps its identity. I don't think we need to, to look at Exeter or Taunton or any other kind of shopping centres to, to, um, to, to for advice. I think that we need to keep the identity of North Devon uh, and we need to use the Pannier Market and Butcher's Row to really kind of um, push that forward. I think the big changes um, for us, and I've got a young family as well, um, that people are spending more time in the high street. Um, so more sort of weekend time, we're seeing um, a younger kind of customer coming in uh, back into to the high street, which is great, uh, and young families. And that's where we're kind of focusing our kind of products on as well as a business. So it's, it's hand in hand, really important that we make um, the high street really safe. There's less um, street drinkers, for sure. Uh, less people hanging around in, in door areas um, or on park benches that that don't they, they, they kind of make the place non-welcoming. Um, so I think that's definitely a massive move on. Um, I just think it's it's a nice, friendly face um, that um, you know that um, you know if if you need to get hold of or of anyone in the town. It's um, our, I mean, our security works very close with the street marshals as well, um, and hand in hand, which again is is really good for the community. So this is important, isn't it, Ali? As you were saying, it's not. Um it's not a heavy-handed approach at all. It just helps people who want to spend some time in a place like Barnstable. It, it is. There's nothing more off-putting if you come to the town than street drinking, antisocial behaviour. Uh, it's quite a bonus, isn't it? It is a bonus, and there's a real community feel there um, where it looks as if people are trying to help others, which is great. So, um, you know, you have officers there in uniform, um, and, so, and some people might say, oh, you know, that's that's too many officers of the street. There's something going on. You know, I don't want to be here because there's crime happening. But it's not that. If you look more closely, you can see that they're trying to assist um, people with their problems and they're trying to get help for them. So it's, it's much more of a caring approach. And these PSPOs, I did a piece a little while ago about the number of PSPOs that each different council has. Um and there are lots of them. They cover all kinds of things. Like you can't feed the seagulls in Exmouth and you can't take too much mackerel 
in Brixham because that's a way of trying to crack down on these gangs who are um, commercially fishing, allegedly, down there. But the PSPO is a really useful tool for councils, isn't it? It is a really useful tool. And like you say, you can... You can make it fit your area, so you can come up with all sorts of different options that, that are specific to an area. Um, so seaside areas are going to be different from, you know, urban areas. So that you have that discretion to decide what you what you wish to do and what you what you won't tolerate. And they're, I mean, they're also they're a gift for journalists as well, because the one in Torbay that you, where you can't be too good at fishing. <laughs> so if you take too much mackerel, you're breaching the PSPO. But there you go. I think it's time for a musical interlude. How are you with Scandinavian dream pop? Is that high on your list? Well, it's not really one I've heard of, to be honest, Guy. Uh, my knowledge of Scandinavian pop is quite limited, um, probably to ABBA. ABBA? Aha, maybe? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I do yeah, remember those. Go back a little yeah. bit. OK, well, you know a little bit more about it after the next item because uh, a Devon drummer is touring the world with his band after leaving Sidmouth Community College more than a decade ago. Ross Crabe is one of the three-piece band Am I Lost? They play Scandinavian dream pop, as we just mentioned, and write their own songs. And they have a new EP out right now called Introspective Souvenirs. They've been playing tracks at festivals across Europe this summer. As well as Ross, the other members are Charlie Fowler and the first you'll hear from, singer-songwriter Sigrid Ziner, speaking with our own Alfie Richardson. Amalost is a new project, so it's all new songs, it's a new sound for us as well, although it, uh, it's also very true to us. It's, yeah, I feel like it's very much aligned with our musical identity, I'd say. We, we uh, kind of started writing these uh, over lockdown, or at least completing them with the thought uh, that they would comprise an EP. How would you describe your music in just a short a couple of sentences? It's easier to go for artists, so it would be like... Bonnie Vera meets Aurora meets Sigaross meets London Grammar. The EP is called Introspective Souvenirs. So it's about the inner journey that you, you take uh, in relation to your, you know, the outside world and the experiences that you have uh, and kind of what you take with you from that. Uh, I think having like an empathic uh, kind of point of view or like angle when writing, I think that's always a goal that you you write so that you can explain yourself and make sense of what you're feeling, but also so that others can take that song and make make it make sense for them as well. Yeah, I also think that's something that's really cool about being a band, because like we are equal members and we have, you know, such different inspiration. Uh, and that, I mean, yeah, I think that makes something that would be very different if it was a solo artist. Mm. We're playing a really big uh, festival showcase in Oslo. Uh, I've always wanted to play it, so I'm super excited that we get to do it this year. And then before that, we're uh, working on new music, so that's the main, um, the focus uh, at the moment. I reckon we'll also probably do another show towards the end of the year in in the UK, probably in London. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, where we spend a lot of our time as well. We split yeah. split time between a lot of different places, yeah. mainly Devon, London, and Oslo. Let 
That was music from Am I Lost? Radio X's Alfie Richardson was speaking with Ross Crabe and Sigrid Seiner. And last this week, but very much not least, I went to County Hall yesterday for a meeting. Uh, it looked like a fairly routine meeting of Devon County Council. I had a look at the agenda. There was a lot on there. But what I wasn't expecting was the protests. Not one, not two, but three protests outside County Hall uh, yesterday as I went in. Uh, one from Extinction Rebellion as part of a call for the County Council to stop doing its business with uh, one particular high street bank which links to fossil fuel investment. There was another one from a group calling for more 20 mile an hour speed limits around the streets in Devon. Uh, but the biggest one was from a group of people protesting against the low traffic neighbourhood experiment currently taking place in Exeter's Heavytree and Whipton. The County Council says stopping through traffic using some key streets by using bollards and plant tubs as roadblocks will create a cleaner and safer environment with no fumes, less traffic and safe travel for people on foot and on wheels. But protesters say the measures are doing far more harm than good and they want the council to do a U-turn. They say there wasn't enough consultation before it was brought in. They say people's lives are being ruined and even emergency services are being delayed. I caught up with a couple of the protesters who then went inside to speak in the council chamber. Uh, first, chairman of the Heavetree Traders Association, Matthew Robery. The turnout is tremendous given it's in the middle of the day when people yeah. are working and, it, and there's a whole cross-section of people here. Um, I think it shows the passion um, that people feel. No trader within the, within the association was actually consulted, um, which is hardly a surprise because actually the list that was used is in fact over 17 years out of date. Do you think the low traffic neighbourhood scheme should be amended, should be changed or just scrapped altogether? Uh, let's be quite clear as well to say that the traders aren't against a low transmission ethos. Um, I think it's important to, to me, to all the traders, to, to every person on this planet, quite frankly, my children, my grandchildren, hopefully in the future, that we do something um, in terms of to, to act, um, to, to improve the, the environment um, without a shadow of a doubt. I think the scheme in its current format is farcical. It's clear that there was no engagement. But one thing that they have actually inadvertently do is they've certainly engaged the local community. Yeah. And I think, personally, um, and so do the traders, that we should use this as an opportunity to actually um, take a step back, um, re-engage properly and find a solution that works for everybody. In my lifetime as a Devonian, I don't think I've ever come across a scenario where so many have been forced to give up so much for the benefit of so few. I also grabbed a moment with local trader Joe Bolton, whose business delivering sweets around the streets has been badly disrupted. He also says the closure and the change in people's routines and habits is having a terrible effect on people with mental health issues. This is Joe. The support we're getting here today is because they don't want the blocks. It's affecting their everyday life. But I'm here for a business point of view, how it's affecting us as a business, how it essentially can put us under as a business. What's your business, Joe? Uh, we sell and deliver sweets around the community in the evening. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's mainly why I've come down here and also for the awareness of mental health that it's actually affecting people that the council clearly are taking no notice of. You've had a good turnout. Been There's an amazing turnout. Here. Been an amazing turnout, yeah. And what sort of response are you getting from people driving by? Brilliant. Everyone's beeping. Every, you can see, it's nice to see that they are supporting it and they are understanding and agreeing with what we're trying to say here today. Um, and the, like I say, the turnout's been great, but also the support on the roads has been brilliant because um, it just backs us up with the council. It's a shame the council couldn't come out and actually see why we're doing it and what we're doing it for. I appreciate they're going to listen, 
Will that do anything? I don't know. But it would have been nice for them to come out and actually listen to the community rather than just ignoring them like they did when the blocks went up. I don't think this is the end today. Having the speeches is just a case of us putting our a case across, as it were. Um, if this doesn't do anything, which inevitably it probably won't because it's whether they listen, um, they'll go on to then write letters to the higher-up, um, protest higher-up. Um, there's a lot where the council are answerable to in regards to they're saying they consulted with every business in Heavetry Road. The businesses they're saying they consulted with went under 16 years ago. I personally believe this is the start of um, some sort of congestion charge coming into our city. I think we don't need a congestion charge charge in the city at the moment, so they're creating one basically. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it's it's not going to stop here. If we allow this to stop today, um, or if we stop today, I think it will grow to more roads. It's already done that. Dryden Road shut during the pandemic because apparently because of COVID. Um, but that didn't stop because of that because it never reopened again. So I think you'll find that it will go on to more roads and create more chaos in the city. Interesting, Ali. I think that that's a story that's going to run and run. Uh, the low traffic neighbourhood, uh, the trial has got a little way to go yet. There are thoughts that other places might give it a try. There's one or two streets across Torbay which were closed off donkeys years ago. There's one in Heel Village in Torquay. There's another one. Uh, down opposite the library in Paynton, where they, the council at the time thought they just wanted to stop through traffic. People have got used to that. But I think one of the things that's getting under people's skin here in Exeter is, is the consultation, which they think was flawed. Um, they wanted to know more about it beforehand. It, these are interesting things, aren't they? You can see the sense in cutting down emissions and traffic in mm. residential streets. Yeah, yes, you can. Um but, you know, I don't have any experience of those, but um, I do know quite a lot of rat runs, that, uh, yeah. you know, in, in areas where um, they're just they're causing a nightmare for local residents, to be honest. So, you know, there's there's two sides to the story, really. And I think a lot of the time people get used to it and then, you know, they're fine with it. But it's the change that is, is the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and consultation is really important. So I think at that stage, you can iron out all the problems and, and people are happier then once they feel they've been talked to and, yeah. and informed properly about it. The other protest issues as well, the 20 mile an hour speed limit outside schools and places like that, mm. that's just common sense to me. Totally. It, you and I would probably drive at 20 yeah. past a school anyway. Yeah. It just sets it in stone and, and you know, it just means that yeah. people have got to pay more attention. That's got to be coming, surely. It, it's got to be, yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense and it, it does take a while to get used to that, it to does. be honest. A 20 mile an hour speed limit come that other blue really for you and it's like so used to driving at 30 and 40 but yes i mean it is the speed the sensible speed near, near schools for sure and residential properties so what's on the radar next week right so um well in torridge um everyone is is up in arms about the closure of the link centers which could be a possibility at the moment it's a proposal um devon county is proposing for the is consulting for the second time on this um there are centers in ilfracombe in biddeford and in barnstable and next week everyone's getting around the table to to talk it out really to um you know to put forward their views so that will be an interesting one and in plymouth um the council will be um, looking to address its um, SEND provision, which is Special Educational Needs and Disabilities, um, in light of Ofsted's report of widespread failings there. So that should be an interesting, interesting. one too. Well, over in Torbay, it's a celebration of Torbay's most famous daughter, Agatha Christie, who was born in Torquay. 
And next week, it's the International Agatha Christie Festival, which brings fans in from literally from all over the world, people from Japan, people from America. Uh, they come to Torquay. There's a huge programme. There's music, theatre, talks, walks. There's been a swim already, a wild water mm. swim, because Agatha Christie, she was a very keen open water swimmer. And did you mm. know she was a pioneer of surfing? Was she? A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that, but she was good a, on her. She was an early pioneer of surfing. There, is, there are even Agatha Christie video games, which you get a chance to get a look at next week. All the details are on the festival website, and we'll have a chat about that next week. That sounds great. So that's it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. Devon Cass will return very soon with more of the stories behind the county's news headlines. Bye for now. Catch the latest episode of Devoncast every Friday at radiox.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts.